Welcome to Find Your Grit, conversations to make us 1% better every day. In this podcast, I'm with my guest, Taylor Donaldson. She's a psychiatric rehabilitation therapist at John Hopkins. She works directly with those struggling with mental health and holds psychological educational group sessions as well. Taylor and I reconnected recently when she reached out for some advice after her brother was seriously injured in a motorcycle accident. Now, I shared my perspective and struggle that I learned through my own stepfather's accident just two years ago. The power of our conversation made me realize we needed to share our stories of strength and learning to overcome these hardships of traumas out to the public. So I hope all listeners are able to take our strategies and our perspective shared in this episode to build their own resilience and story of strength. Welcome to Find Your Grit. Today, I'm here with Taylor Donaldson. Taylor, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Most recently, about a month and a half ago, yeah, would maybe, it be? maybe like a month, two months. Oh, two months ago, um, you had to reach out to me on Instagram and said, uh, hey Grant, um, could you call me and need a little bit of advice? What's going on? And we hadn't talked for a while until that. And so immediately I picked up the phone and I just gave it a call and I said, what's going on? And uh, you described to me something that was a little, uh, that hit home. It mm-hmm. was familiar to the story and kind of what was going on in my life as well. And uh, we were talking for almost two hours and we got a lot out of that. And that was just days after. So do you want to go into it a little bit and kind of kickstart a little bit of what that incident was that kind of connected us? Yeah, so that, you know, that conversation really did just flow. It went into a, we were going to kind of just touch base and then catch yeah. up. And it just went into a, wow, like you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, but so my brother, you know, he was in a motorcycle accident on April 12th. And he was on his way to work. I remember I was on my way to an appointment. I was leaving work. And I get a call from my dad. And he was just like, what are you doing? He did it so nonchalant. And he was like, what are you doing? Driving to my appointment. All right, well, your brother's been flown to UMMC, shock trauma. And I was like, what? Started freaking out, bawling my eyes out. Didn't know what to expect. You know, you hear flown, medevac, you're thinking the worst case scenario. Yeah, of course. Shock trauma, you know. And so, um, I rushed over there, you know, I couldn't see him within the first 24 hours. So I went home and then they kind of explained it a little bit more to us to where he was conscious and he was like, you know, I was driving and another vehicle caught his wheel well and ended up kind of dragging and letting his bike go about 150 feet downhill. Yeah. And he was like in a ditch laying there looking at his foot, left foot, like mangled just mangled in half and then we talked to the paramedics and everything and they were like you know he saved his life he put pressure on it he created his own you know tourniquet yeah and he ended up saving his own life and then they medevaced him out into UMC, UMMC shock trauma where he had really good care there honestly wow yeah it was scary and we didn't know what was gonna happen kept talking to doctors and that's where they were just like, you know, his foot is not repairable. Yeah. It is. There's nothing you can do with it. And we want you to be able to still have range. You know, he's 34, 35. And um, so they took, they did like a below the knee amputee. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I found that out, I just, 
I'm an empath. So I just went into that, oh my gosh, what is he thinking? What's he going through? He was already angry a little bit before that. Imagine now. And it was just a lot. And then we just kind of went from there. How long was he in uh, shark trauma for? Surprisingly, he got there, I think, Wednesday. And he was out after the weekend. Wow. And how soon did they they call you and say, this life needs to go? Probably within hours of it happening. Like, right away. I think I reached out to you. is because I wanted to know... Because I'm such an emotional person, I wanted to know, how did you handle that? You know, you went through a similar accident, whatnot, and you started from the bottom and came up. And it's like, how do you deal with that? And in that moment, when you're in crisis, you really do go to what's going to, who's going to make more sense to me? I haven't talked to you in years, but you knew what was going on and similar paths. I'm okay with reaching out and asking for a little bit of help because I was lost. I couldn't turn to my family because they're going through the same thing. They're just trying to figure it out too. You put the expectation on your family in the sense of your parents. They should know everything. They're human just along with you. Yeah. You got to take that expectation off and realize who's your people. What boxes are they going to check off? Yeah. Because not one person's going to check off every single box. That's why you have different people in your corner. Of course. So. And I'm sure glad you reached out because I could tell you um, that conversation that we had initially was something really cool. And I'm glad we had that, and I'm glad it led us to this. And just like being able to go through something and you're able to relate to someone else, sometimes you know yeah. it goes right back to if I didn't speak up enough, then I wouldn't have the company. I wouldn't be able to even have uh, anything for someone to say, yeah, there's someone. Like Maybe I can just reach out to them. So it's a place to be able to reach out to and say, man, I'm stuck in a rut. How do I get out? Well, come along the journey with us because yeah. this is what it's all about. When you had gone through that and he got back home fairly shortly, um, what was it like getting back home? So everything was normal. And then in a blink of an eye, boom, something happened. That's how you know, like it's an unexpected event. So you go into that survival mode, that quick, okay, what can we do to help? Yeah. What do we do? You can't personalize it. You can't internalize it. So what can I do to help? So he... Ended up moving in with us. They're still living with us for a little bit just because it was the best environment to have the support, being able to have round the clock care, you know, even just mentally having support because, you know, sitting there all day drives someone like insane. Even if you're not injured, it drives somebody insane if you're sitting there doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. So he moved in and. We've just been taking it day by day, honestly. The beginning was hard, though, because I remember watching him first time, like, falling. Yeah. Because you're watching them redo everything all over again. Yep. They're learning it. But they also need to feel comfortable to be able to fall and feel okay to fall and not be embarrassed and not feel like, oh, this is embarrassing. I can't do this. Like, no, this is a life change. You have to be able to do this. So you got to support them. But it hurts. When you watch him, I watched him fall. He, like, tripped on a crutch and fall right in the table. I had to go inside because I got so emotional. Yeah. I've never seen someone who's so independent, you know, fall. So it's it's hard. Yeah. Well, that's – I can tell you it's really weird, to be honest, hearing what stages you're going through right now and how we've just came up on the second year anniversary of the accident of my stepfather and um, all those things held an importance and it kept going. And – but independence came along the way over time and that new sense of life was really what became habitual to what we did every day around him. Absolutely. So like that inner circle 
the meaning of that inner circle over time wasn't of what we did specifically, but those falls then mattered because as the more that they came, it was more of an understanding that this is now reality. Mm-hmm. And then the opportunity to be able to help the most was just being able to be there. Mm-hmm. And I realized the whole entire time that, you know, I'm out in emotion and it's not helping the situation as a whole as, as in as impactful, I guess, as I wanted it to be. Um, yet, um, they had to figure it out themselves. And mm-hmm. you have to be able to keep yourself together while they're keeping themselves together. And it's very hard. And um, I can tell you that, you know, life gets filled with a lot of distractions that you think that are coping mechanisms when really you're just trying to survive, mm-hmm. doing the best thing that you can possibly do. And understand that your whole family is, obviously, everybody's completely different. and Everybody's in crisis mode. So right. like you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to hold it together and your crisis mode is completely defined differently than your mom's and your dad's and (laughs) so it's 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 really hard Um, they look at me and they're like oh my gosh where's all this emotion coming from and i'm like from the inside yeah (laughs) this is genuine this is how i feel i look at you and you could you could be a stranger and you tell me something and if that hits my heart it hits my heart and i cannot help that it's my biggest strength and my biggest weakness ain't that the truth and well that will lead me into you know what we you know what you do for a living and uh so taylor is a psychiatric rehab therapist at john hopkins also what you're doing every day is really helping others find other ways to have coping mechanisms to get through the worst of the worst and then create the best of the best and so i wanted to get into a little bit of what you do and why you wanted to gravitate towards that field in the first place well what's crazy is i i don't think i in the beginning when i went to school First off, in high school, I didn't even really pay attention to school. <laughs> I was softball, trying to do all that. Went into college, was trying to learn my life, have fun, do the experiences. And I went in for forensic science. And then I started taking the classes. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I don't know science. <laughs> I don't know any of this. So I'm not doing it. So then I took an intro to psychology course. And I was like, wow. Like, this flows. This is natural. This is stuff I care about. This is why people do what they do, how, and what affects all of it. This is what makes the world go round, is your mind. So I got so into it, and then taking more classes, and I started doing good in school, and I really started to push myself because I cared. That was my passion. That is what I was born to do. So I did some internships, and then once I graduated college, COVID hit. So I took a year off, goofed off. You know, I served, which is great money, but I didn't save it. And so then I was like, all right, it's time to get up, do something different. And I applied to Hopkins, got the job. They were very familiar with me from my internship. And I've been working there since last February. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I love it. And I love what I do. You know, I deal with people every single day, teaching them what they want to know. Not based off of me. It's based off of so many different personalities and so many different diagnoses and different struggles and what are we trying to get them resource wise yeah yeah it's interesting to hear when you say um which i can 100 percent relate to the fact that well my empathy and emotion is the best of me but it's also the worst of me but yet you find a job that makes it you know parallel to the best of you and how it really helps shift your kind of coping because you're not then you're working through it so then what i was going to get into next was now you have your job it's set up now this accident happens and then I wanted to talk about the peace inside of you and how you're trying to play survival mode and also help other people 
and you know kind of live life in their shoes for a moment to help them while you're going through your own how does that feel and how did you get through it I think it actually makes it better it makes it a lot easier and it makes you be able to be a lot more resilient into the like these circumstances because while I'm going through it you're listening to what everyone else is going through and it kind of gets your mind off of it but it also makes you feel normalized and like you have that support that you're not just there for them they're there for you and they care just as much as you care for them yeah so like when you have that reciprocation you have that support you feel open to being able to be emotional let those emotions out and move forward Mm. when you hold them in what do you think it's gonna do yeah you know it's gonna it's gonna break you down it's gonna tear you apart but then as soon as you get those emotions out you're like wow like my stress levels have gone down because I was able to release that energy of how I really feel yeah in my job you know I work with a lot of great people I've turned a lot of my coworkers into best friends yeah and they really listen you know everybody has tips yeah that's normal and that's another thing I've learned is like the conflict is what grows you Mm -hmm. because you set boundaries you learn all of these different things you set boundaries for yourself and what you can handle what you can't handle I believe helping others in general especially when you're going through a complete it helps I mean man if you're going through hell itself and you have a job and occupation that helps you get out the empathy and make a difference that's that's it's the most beautiful job to have and that's why I love the job that I have to get that received back it's it's though it's like something someone's answering back to you you feel understood but yet it's because they feel understood it's a fair trade and just getting paid for it is kind of a bonus when you're able to make a difference and how much they make a difference in our lives is like what's wild to me and it blows me away I always say to them like I have so many different patients and I really do build a connection with them because I'm human. I'm there for a reason because I want to be genuine and I want to be raw to the sense of you're not getting that from your therapist. Like you're not getting that from your psychiatrist. I'm here to be like, push you and say, no, like get up, do what you need to do because it all starts within you. And I feel like, I don't know. They just, they change you. They really do because when I'm going through something, you're listening to these stories and it really does put you in the perspective of someone's always going through something. Yeah. There's worse out there too. Mm. And maybe there's less worse, but either way, someone's always going through something. So you handle it together. You manage it. Yeah. And it's hard. It's unfair to even make comparables to, you know, what what the stories are, but you nailed something on the head and that receiving is the same as that I gave to my stepdad. And I'm sure you're going through with your brother because realizing that, well, I really had to take care of myself. I really had to understand that my perspective and, um, that's social intelligence, though. It comes in handy when, you know, you need it. Um, it does. Because truth has a ring to it. And you can feel when someone really wants that help, it's not really what they say. It's what they don't. And it's the look in the eyes. It's, it's the it's the emotion. It's the, you know, you, you get it from a mile away. You can tell. Yeah. There's times where I talk to people and they say something. And I'll, I'll use my brother for example because, like, I can use that one because I can't put you know, words into anyone else's voice. But I know that when I ask him something, he's like, I'm good. I'm fine. Like I can see it. I can see it in your movements. I can see it in the way you're staring at things. It's because I'm paying attention, right? I'm not paying attention to what you're saying. I'm paying attention to the actions. I'm paying attention to the body movements and the body language of, you know, anybody could walk in a room and put their shoulders up and walk around all confident. But if they come in and they start talking negatively, are they really confident? Yeah. Right. Oh, you gotta see the difference in it. Oh, hundred percent. And 
it's you have to be really com- you know that was that was it was i was like was that off topic <laughs> not at all because uh being a life coach like when you when i'm looking at people and i'm reading their body language i have to be so confident and be intuitive with their emotion that like i say when it's not something that they say it's almost they speak louder <laughs> but active listening being such a helpful tool perspective uh, perspective for me was just being really practical it was understanding that my emotions, I kept telling myself at that time, like where you're exactly at right now when it began. And, you know, other things kind of took place and to the storyline of, you know, of tragedy, I guess if you want to call it, or PTSD that had reoccurred from it. But in the midst of it, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just, I, w- I need to survive. Mm-hmm. And through that survival, I was able to really make an impact through success in other people and myself. But yet, it wasn't meant for that. I wasn't thinking of that. You just do it. We, um, so I teach a class, recovery and abstinence. Like, so we teach psychoeducational groups at that program daily. And it kind of, whoever needs it comes in. So in recovery and abstinence, we talk about how it's not even just think about a substance. Think about an addiction in general to where, you know, say you're in crisis mode. You're trying to stay busy. So your quick fix I'm going to put that in parentheses. Your quick fix is staying busy, going to help someone build something, work out, go get ice cream, et cetera. That's your quick fix to help you feel better in that moment. But it's a quick fix. It lasts for 20 minutes. And it's not a healthy coping mechanism because it's always going to come back. It's deeper than that. So you've got to figure out what's making me feel this way. Mm -hmm. Why? What can I do about it? Of course. Because a quick fix will make you feel great. A quick fix to me, a lot of people do without even having to be an addict, and it's not a coping mechanism. 100%. And a lot of people keep going along with it. Um, I've had a talk with a client of mine, and he had asked me, man, all these thoughts in my head, they're habitual. They keep happening every single moment. They're ruminating. They, every, mm-hmm. No matter what happens, I go right back into this, this shovel. For and I reason. think about it, and I think about, you know, now that it's raining outside, you know, like a great example is that the rain that comes down on top of the roof and hits the gutter, it'll hit the same pathway every time. Yeah. Or it's not going towards a good route, then I got to reroute that. And if that mm-hmm. pathway of life, and let's say your mind keeps going and going and ruminating and it's a habitual habit and you say, okay, well, I just need to fix it. It's very hard to steer that water away, especially when it pours because you're not in control of when it's going to come. And you're feeding it. Exactly. And like, it takes time. And over time, I feel like a lot of people will fall off when, when they don't realize that creating a habit takes some time. Mm-hmm. Take what the, you can see research studies that say that what, it takes about days? or 100. Yeah. And then like, okay, so just like the metaphor of water going down the same way every time it rains and you want to try to steer it another way, you know, it it's always going to trickle down a little bit as you're going through it. Mm-hmm. So finding coping, coping mechanisms while you're going through that is the hardest thing because you have to attach no emotion, no ego to be able to view your own issues and what you're going through objectively while you're so in tune with everybody else. So now you got to figure out boundaries with you first before mm-hmm. so that now you can help good patients and your family and create a new pathway for your mind to go. Yeah. And you you definitely have to be open-minded like what you said yeah. where um, going back to the coping mechanisms when everybody's trying to find a coping mechanism the number one thing is everybody's different yeah what works for me isn't going to work for you maybe or isn't going to work for the next person so that's why they say be open-minded because don't just shoot it down after the one try try different ones because you know when i first started meditation mindfulness yeah you know the act of trying to be in that present moment i'm very anxious person 
I'd be chilling. But I'm an anxious person. I overthink. And then I over my think and overanalyze into the ruminating thoughts. And then I feed into them and I create my own panic attacks. Mm-hmm. So I've learned to create different mo- like, mechanisms. Coping. <laughs> <laughs> Coping mechanisms to help. That helps me. So mine was really getting in tune. I would have so many thoughts. How do I slow those thoughts? Mm. How do I create my brain to be able to control the thoughts that come in and out? Mm. So I would go into meditation or sit outside and start becoming really aware of my surroundings, the sounds, the views. And once you really focus in on that, that's what the mindfulness meditation is where Oh, wow. I'm not thinking about the bill I have to pay. I'm thinking about how that bird's on that tree right now Mm. or that squirrel's trying to go get a nut or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when that comes in handy, you learn to control your thoughts. Somebody, one of my clients, patients, whichever, besties, (laughs) they told me one time, they're like, do you know how you should think of anxious thoughts and thoughts? There's a river. And leaves flow in and out. So that's your thoughts. Thoughts are always meant to come and go, come and go. But it doesn't mean you hold on to every single thought. Right. And that's what we do. We think that every thought that comes into our brain is true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. We're lying to ourselves. Right. That's like people with you know low self-esteem. If you're talking bad to yourself, it doesn't mean it's true. It's mean that's how you're thinking. Mm-hmm. So you're believing it. You're creating that habit of talking down to yourself. Your motivation goes down. Everything's affected. Mm-hmm. So what you just said is like, you first, well, no, when you catch your thought and then you're aware. Yeah. And then you have to substitute it and break the path and you got to break the habit. Mm-hmm. What you described as the mindfulness, I would just say is in other words, living in the present moment. Absolutely. Because then those thoughts don't hold a purpose at that time. So right. there's no negotiating. I don't care how analytical you are. Those thoughts you're just thinking of anything, about it. past, it's a closed door, future, I don't care if it's open or not. You're focusing on you're breathing. You're focusing on right now. And the truth is, if I were to ask you, i say, hey, Taylor, do you think the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning? What would you say? Probably. And why? Because it's, I don't know. It happens every juniors. day. Oh. It happens every day. <laughs> I was right? like, I don't know. Because I'm, uh, <laughs> right. I told you I wasn't good at science. Yeah, yeah, fast, right? <laughs> so like, the fact is, it's like, so whatever, if I have to find that something I do, I always tell, you know, clients mine and I say, Find something that you can physically do first mm-hmm. so then you can find yourself in the present moment. Don't go just straight into how do I change my mindset? Right. Jump into a cold shower. You know, I'm a firm believer in cold baths. I know you are too. And, you know, when it comes to <laughs> discipline, find discipline to then give you structure. That structure is what's going to help you redefine and know that my wins outweigh my losses. So who am I trying to negotiate with? Because at the moment of that, I'm, I have a thought that comes in. I think of myself... Why would I dare take any more moment going into it when I can quickly file it under one cabinet and say, delete. It doesn't hold a purpose to where I'm at now. And that word failure or regret or that self-inducing anxiety that we give ourselves all the time are based upon false information. How to psychotherapists or expectations. And those expectations are based upon the false realities because Mm -hmm. your mentality does become your reality. And I had a psychotherapist tell me one time, I was talking with the minister was after, you know, all these events after the accident took place. And he told me, let me t- tell me something about yourself, Grant. I saw you on the Today Show, but let, tell me something about you. And he wanted to get deep. And he asked me a couple questions. So for once, I got deep. You know, the first thing he told me, he said, that sounds good. And um, how do I even know if that's true? Oh. And that, and right there, you know, it stopped me in my tracks. In my head, I was thinking, 
this motherfucker, he has no like, and like I was like, <laughs> like let me show you how true I am, but and that you factor though, you you're projecting. And that's it. Well, right, but mm-hmm. and like the thought though is that anybody that you're telling a story to or your day, it's just a projection of how you're feeling inside. So it's like a movie line. Mm-hmm. If I focus on the secondary character after watching the same movie five times, it creates a different outcome. Yeah. It creates a different movie. The narrative changes. And I think that that's what's so important about being able to be in control of our minds are going to change. So when they do, how do we take on to that? You adapt. Okay, so like, let me ask you this. What are three things that you would say to one of your patients, besties, whatever you would say, <laughs> that come along, three pieces of advice that you would give them or someone struggling with mental health? The number one is to, it's okay to not be okay. There you go. I, it really is. I Do you know? But see, because it, it should be used more. It's okay to not be okay because the number one thing and reason why people don't reach out is because of the stigma on mental health of, oh, I have a mental health oh, like diagnosis. I'm crazy. No, that's that's BS, honestly. Yeah. Because if you look in the, I'm going to get real terms right now, DSM-5, there's so many different things, so many different diagnoses, so many different disorders, you know everything that would be considered a mental health maybe you just didn't go and get help and you don't even know about it yeah because you're scared to get help or because you don't want to say it because it hasn't been talked about enough but now with you know bless everybody but now with everyone you know taking their own lives and doing all that mental health is coming up more because Mm -hmm. they're realizing that we need more people to talk to it's okay to not be okay that's a good number one yeah that's the number one uh, number two, I would say to always reach out for help. Like you always have support even when you don't think you do. Yeah. There's times where you go through these crises and you feel so alone, even though there's so many people around you, but it's because you're in your head space, you're in your mindset. You don't want to bother somebody or put that burden on them. But the people that love you, love you for a reason. Yeah. They're going to love you no matter what. That's, that's a good number two. That's, number two. That's very true. Shoot. Three is a magic number um i think three would be you're not alone yeah. it kind of goes back to number one where someone's always going through something you right. just might not see it some people show it better than others some people hide it better than others so don't be afraid to or don't assume don't prejudge on people because you never know what someone's going through and that's why they always say talk kind to others yeah. you know talk kind to even those strangers that Maybe they yelled at you on the side of the street, but maybe they just lost, you know, one of their best friends. Yeah, right. And that's their projection. Yeah. You can't take everything personal. Yeah. That's another thing. I always tell everyone, quit taking it personal because sometimes it's almost like a selfish thing where we all think about, oh, are they mad at me? Are they this? Are they not doing it because of this? It's not about you. It's about them and how they're feeling at that time. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, that's a good three. Yeah. And that's money in the bank when it comes to really talking about the overall society. You tell I'm Hungarian. I'm I, talking I, with my hands and I'm like. <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. No, I'm the same exact way. I, I talk better when I'm like, you know. I'm like, this talk, is how I go. Jersey Shore pumping it. And I talk a little bit better. No, but you're right. And, and I, I would just say out of those three, I, they all have correlations to every, everything, every three that you have. Start with one. It doesn't have to go in any particular order. Mm-hmm. Yet, if you go to the third one and just realize, you know, I love, I, I hate when I hear motivational speakers say, if you want to be happy, just be happy. Well, then at the same time, though, too, what I do love is that something that gives a 
there's an active, you know, it's, it's active, then it's reactive. Knowing that if you want to be happy, do something that makes you feel in the present moment, not alone. And when you feel alone, it doesn't mean that you're lost. Understand that you're okay not being okay. Understand that just like seasons that come and, come and go, it's going to be temporary. These moments that are temporary moments, we hold on so personally as though this is an end-all be-all. But it's not. And then we look back and we're like, Word of did fun. I really just stress over that? Exactly. Or did I really just freak out over that? I just find it interesting how our brains always have the potential to grow and generate new pathways. Like you always have the potential to heal. It's literally hardwired into our human experience. And I think the routine of what we have every day solidifies that pathway because our brains learn off of that reputation and experiences. And then that is what comes habitual. And then that mentality becomes reality so in general what would you think or what would you know to protect an advice to someone else to have their own peace when they give so much of their selves to someone else the number one thing i learned was to take care of yourself to take care of yourself first like first and foremost you can't take care of someone else or be there for even your friends or family if you can't be there for yourself and I learned that the hard way, you know, I was so busy trying to help everyone else that my brain got overwhelmed and I was like, I'm not okay. Yeah. So taking that time throughout the day for yourself, whether it's a five minute break at work to take a walk and look at what's around you rather than what's, what do I have to do real quick or taking a quick shower or not even a quick, but embracing the moment that you're in the shower yeah you know some people don't have hot water think about those things yeah um i do journal i journal a lot tell me about that it's as simple but it's not so i found myself last year even before my brother's accident where i was so overwhelmed by what i was trying to do for myself that i was so negative i it was so hard for me to find the positive in any situation and i noticed that and it was a reflecting on other people and mm-hmm. my relationships and my friendships. So then I was like, okay, I need to take a step back and focus on what I have in front of me, the positive. So it's a journal of self-care. Some people think it's corny. I love it. I think it puts you, it's a mindfulness activity. Yeah. It puts you in the moment. So it just asks, look, I write it in there and you can't read it, but <laughs> it's like they ask you what your intention is for the day your positive affirmations, 10 things you love, 10 things that you want to work on, 10 things you're looking forward to within the next day, and you do it every day. And I found myself now looking at people and trying to find the positive in every little thing, even if it's a bad situation. Yeah. And because life keeps going, life yeah. continues. If you stay positive, things will come around. Well, you and I have one of the biggest things in common out of everything is we're a story of strength. Yeah. So no matter what, you look at anything positive, there's no more definition of the word failure or regret or past or anything else other than the present moment and what we can do in that. The failure is a big one too because someone said to me, you don't fail when you lose, right? You fail when you give up. Right. So you're going to fail. Yeah. That's the part of building you. That's what makes you stronger. That's what... You fall and you get back up and you fall and you get back up and you learn your mistakes and then you keep going forward. Yeah. So you don't fail when you lose or when you mess up. You fail when you give up and you say, I'm not doing that because I'm not good at it or I'm too scared. That's the truth. And go back to your one, two, three. When you ask someone and you say, 
oh, okay, well, you're not alone. Well, don't be alone. Realize that real quick, other than the fact that it's okay not being okay. But what comes with that is knowing that what you're going through right now holds a purpose, yeah. period. So make it worth something. Give it, give it potential. Give it purpose. Give it meaning and do it in your own way. Yeah. So what's the next thing that you used? You brought in this book. Yeah. Okay. Well, first start on Instagram. So there's this holistic psychologist, the holistic psychologist, which is becoming more and more up there. And I hope I don't say her name wrong, but Dr. Nicole LaPera. So it's how to do the work. And it says, recognize your patterns, heal from your past and create yourself. So, so many times I've realized within my patients and their recovery, they hold on to so much past trauma. There's mm-hmm. that word, right? And they go, you know, I've been through this, this, and this, and that's why I am the way I am. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you can't live by that because then you'll just continue the same repetition of life and you'll never grow. Right. Things happen. It's horrible. But the best thing is to learn the resilience, to learn the bounce back of, okay, yes, you know, maybe I grew up in a bad past life. How can I use that to my advantage and become what I don't want it to be? Right. You got to learn. Oh, 100%. And so much of that comes from the dedication in your head. Knowing mm-hmm. that if I'm not going to give up, then I'm willing to die for it. Yeah. And the scariest thing in the world is someone that's willing to die for something. Willing to give it their all. Mm-hmm. So if I know whatever position I'm in right now, that I'm looking for the best, that's you've just created so much success just by thinking that way. And mm-hmm. by taking a small step like you just did... By writing every single day then what it I mean it becomes that habit and that habit is then when you go back like I said when the Sun comes up every morning it's because I know it does because I've seen it all the time so mm-hmm. it that then consumes your life and that's what you want to be consumed under is that that pathway to success and knowing that if I go through it myself and I find that then I have to go on this journey alone for some aspects and realize that I get lost in crowds, but I actually find myself alone. And when I'm alone, I'm actually found. I can really dive deep into my own emotion and then give worth purpose. And then, you know, give those words, the meanings of what they mean to me. And then you just live life every day for the day. And by the, by the last of it, and everything we say, it's like at the end of the day, when you get a smile and be like, you know what? I'm proud of what I did. Those small steps are the biggest ones that you take. And a lot of people won't take them because they don't justify the outcome to it. I think that's a big part of if I'm not going to, I'm going to do something if I know for a fact it's going to give me a positive result. Instead of just doing it and realizing a lot of people are just physical than mental, not mental than physical. You physically do something and then you get a mental result. And it's just physically doing it and being proud of yourself for at least taking that step. And then that gracefulness that comes afterwards comes out of that discipline. And that discipline, just like Jocko says, equals that freedom, which I love that that quote, discipline equals freedom. Yeah. And uh, that freedom might be peace, and that peace might mean happiness. It's so true, though, because, you know, like the habits I try to break, I'm like, oh, if I only had a little bit more discipline, I'd be good to go. Right. And it, it really does come down to discipline, but the discipline is led by the mind, the mindset. Because if you're in a bad mindset, okay, so this is how I think of it. How you think is how you perceive. How you perceive is how you kind of re- like reassure yourself and then you act on it, you behave on it, you do all of these things and it's like around and around yeah, and around. Just a carousel that never so ends. it really does start with the mindset and the discipline and being able to say, okay, well, it starts with me. Yeah. Another big thing is, you know, people are always, well, 
I have this person to support me and I have this. You have to learn how to support yourself because at the end of the day, you only have yourself. Exactly. And that's the number one thing I had to learn is because I didn't know how to be alone. I mean, I think last year was my hardest year emotionally, even before the accident, because I didn't know how to handle being by myself in my thoughts alone because Mm -hmm. I was so busy with people trying to avoid what was really going on inside Finally, when you sit down, you're alone, all those thoughts come in, you learn how to control them and figure out, okay, why am I having these thoughts? If it's the same thought over and over again, maybe it's a change I need to make that then I won't start thinking about it because it's something I'm trying to do. Right. That's why I'm ruminating on it because I, I won't be happy until I make that thought happen. Yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, but although a lot of people find that so far beyond tangible that they don't take that first step of recognition because Mm -hmm. that first step of realizing that I'm not okay is number one. Number two is then what can I do about it? And everything you just said, I went through the same as well. And yeah, you know, as much as I want to say that I felt lost and young and, and immature, there was a reason for that. There was a point of that. And then when you have to grow up quick, you have to realize, well, everything in front of me, every single day, there's something I can take away from because it's so magnified absolutely from a trauma from whatever from just perspective and that's when you're on your self journey though because there's a lot of people who i just taught about this last week there's the person who goes day by day by day goes through the motions and is like this is boring it's because you're making it boring you're not trying to find some type of purpose within each day it comes within you right yeah so you got to figure out what's my purpose for the day yeah you know today my purpose was to come up here see all of you guys and I did it happen I yeah. mean it happened maybe five hours late <laughs> but you get what I'm saying is it's yeah. just you have to figure out what are you going to take out of each day because there's always something to learn yeah you learn off your experiences yeah. and that's how you grow into who you want to be exactly and also by starting that by hitting what am I going to do today have no expectation because that no expectation then creates that word failure again and again it makes it harder to kind of steer away a new path of the stream yeah when you keep kind of going back into the same one yeah. and you said you know about the destination I tell clients all the time you know it's funny how when I got into that mindset I, before the accident and everything else happened in my life, I was on a journey to find that self. I was taking ice baths every single day for almost three years for 15 minutes. I went through the three ACL reconstructions, then my labrum, and then I realized that out of college, we graduated the same year. So right when I was on my way to go do something, it was all changed. And I went to hospitality yeah. and I felt comfort because I knew I was competing in MMA. I was, I was training these guys. I felt great. I was helping people while helping people and getting paid. Right. But I realized something along the way that all those distractions that I thought were great, all the self-read books or the self-help books that I was reading, they, they gave me something. But I'd read a book that was 240 pages long and highlight one sentence. To get that, to one main point. Exactly. When but that one sentence. That one main point is everything. experience. It's a, exactly. Which that, sucks. Right. It because does. it's hard, right? You go through the hard ones. You go through the struggles. But your hardest times, your lowest points, your biggest struggles are when you grow the most. Yes. Truly. And I that's what I stand by. Anybody else can feel different. But... I feel like when you're really going through it, you learn so much because you have to. You have to learn how to get through that hurt, that pain, that emotional of, oh gosh, am I ever going to get back? Am I ever going to do this? Are people going to look at me differently? Well, it's the truth. And when you have that mentality of the, it's the fight in the dog Mm -hmm. that I'm going to get up and get at them every day, then 
no matter what happens, they're just other ways to life to put obstacles that you can overcome to then put your thoughts into practice. So even if it's something, no matter, like I'm confident, honestly, by saying, no matter what life brings me, I felt like I've gotten punched pretty damn hard over and over we'll again. figure it out. I'm not knocked out and I'm going to keep on going. And every spit of blood that I go along the way, well, then it, that's just me just saying, you know what? Sometimes it's good to get hit, to get a good reminder. And when you go through something that's a physical feeling, mm-hmm. that, that's an emotion that triggers a response, your heart rate starts to spike, then you have to understand that, you know what? Anxiety can actually be a useful tool in the right setting as long as I just don't overdose into it. And just like every other thing, no matter it be alcohol or medication, it's, it's the person behind it and your perspective going into it. I've had friends that have died from overdoses, and one in particular I didn't hear from from a long time, years and years gone by. Swear to you, this is true. And he hit me up on the phone, and I and he said, "Hey, is this Grant?" I said, "Yeah." I couldn't believe who it was, and I said, "Man, I I, I literally thought you were dead." And he's like, "Man, I was addicted to heroin for a long time, man." And I mm-hmm. said, "Well, what twelve step program did you do?" And that was my ignorance, just to say that first. You know right. what he told me? He said, "I just woke up one day and I said, I'm done. I'm just done." Just like that. Now, does that come often? No. But the power that you have to be able to make that decision is the dedication to say, I'm going to make a difference right now by just making a difference. Just by believing in myself that I just want something different. I don't have to explain it. And I think mental health is extremely hard to try to articulate because that feeling that you feel when you're like, well, someone else may not agree. Well, sometimes a lot of people feel those ways, but they're not able to articulate the vocabulary to say it. So then they just don't say it at all. Exactly. And don't be scared to say it. It's hard to, right. And don't be, don't always. And also when you do say it, don't expect a reaction. Say it for you. Do it for you. Because if someone else doesn't receive it the way that you do, that's you setting up expectations that are unrealistic. I love that you just said that. Let's put a bookmark on that one because that was a good one. I always say that is... I have so many people come up to me and be like, how are you just you? Like, how do you just say whatever comes off? Because that's what makes me me. If I have a bad response, that's on them. I don't take it personal because I'm going to, whatever I'm saying, I believe. And everybody has different beliefs. Everybody has different opinions. And that's how you grow because you have all those different perspectives and you put it into one and then you can grow off of another perspective. Yeah. You have to be able to be open-minded to criticism, all of that. And yeah. Just like you said, you know, I always said to my mom, I have a voice that I feel like I need to use in the sense of when I'm talking to people, I really feel like they understand because I'm being genuine because I'm hitting in the heart where like people don't talk about this stuff right? as you should because, oh, maybe I'm too emotional. I love that now. I embrace it because more people need to be more emotional or else they would heal. Yeah. You have to be sometimes. And emotion holds a purpose mm-hmm. through, you have to go through it to get through it. Yeah. And as we were talking before the, the podcast about, you know, being able to just live your life out loud, like I always like to say it, and I'd rather overshare than undershare. And it's truthfully like how I even got started with the podcast was you're just your book and you would write down, I do a voice memo and I would just rant until I started to send it to clients. And I said, it works. And, and people were like, man, you're saying exactly what I was, you know, feeling. And I was like, you know what? If it wasn't for me to just hit that send button, and have a little bit of that self-confidence that maybe what I'm going through, someone else can, you know, get a little bit of. But that's what propelled me to want to make a podcast. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to talk with the best people, the everyday people, but it's people looking for the best. And yeah. that's what makes the best reality become something of you're already going to find success 
and be successful by knowing that this is a story of strength and I'm going to keep going. And you touched on one thing that I want to go back to because I see it so often is that that destination, like the destination is what we're all looking for. And even in, you know, coaching, when I go through it and I have someone come up to me with a goal and immediately if I see a new person, they say, well, it's because two months from now I want to be like this or because of this incident, I need to change this. When really, I, I was just talking at a podcast last with uh, this guy, Grant Zayak, and he had said this in, this metaphor, which was great. And I caught myself saying almost the same thing, and, but he put it on like the nail on the head and he said, it's just like Christmas. He's like, everybody loves Christmas until you're sitting around a table and no one knows how to receive gifts. You overeat, you overdrink, and then you go back home and you're like, can I just get the fuck home? Yeah. But the fun part was getting ready for Christmas. So like every day- But then day, you don't enjoy it. Exactly. So- Quit the destination, take the detour, and understand that maybe the glass that I put on my foot walking on my own path is meant for something because it's my own path. Enjoy the travel, the path to the destination. And don't have to... That's sh- the point. Exactly. And not having to feel this need of having to share your story. Like you just said, that's what made me laugh so much is like, you showed me the pages and I see a bunch of words in your book and you're like, but you can't read it. And like the truth of it is, it's so funny, but... You know what? You know what it is though. It's only meant for you to read it. Hundred percent, or else I would have. You know, I'm an open book to an extent where I'm an open book. What I want to share, right? But what I but I do sometimes overshare, and like I'm big on anxiety yeah. in the sense of because I personally deal with anxiety. I grew up where I was having panic attacks with my sister and being like, "What's going on? What's going on? Like, am I dying?" And then learning how, okay, I have these people right now talking me down, but I have, my mom always said, you have to learn how to talk yourself down because when we aren't there, what are you going to do? Medicine can fix a little bit, right? We talk about how medicine fixed the like neurotransmitters in your brain and whatnot, but to an extent, I can be on as much medication as you put me on, but you're still always going to have that underlying, why am I freaking out? Why am I overthinking? So the holistic comes in where... What coping mechanisms am I going to do that's going to calm me down, get me out of my head and realize you can't freak out right now. Of course. You can't control what you can't control. And as soon as you accept that, you become self-aware and you just go from there. You take it day by day. I used to jump five steps ahead and that's what caused my anxiety was those high expectations. I'll get married by 25. I'll have a baby. I'll do all that. And that it catches up to you, right? Because you're doing this and none of it's working out that way because you don't need to think that far ahead. You need to take it day by day and have the acronym is SMART. SMART is, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, reliable, timely goals, right? Mm -hmm. So not like a five-year goal, a five-week goal. Yeah. Start down, break it down, and move your way up. Uh, If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect (laughs) sense. And... I think what really skews and jades our opinion is because there's it's so easy for me to pick up my phone and look at a million other people and say, well, I want to have this baby. Is it because of, do I really want a kid or is it because all my other friends are having them right now too? Stop comparing. Dude. I mean, Never compare that. Oh my gosh. I. This is all from experience too. Yeah, this yeah. is natural experience. Where I'm okay heart. saying that. Look, yeah. yeah, I struggle with anxiety. Yes, yeah. I struggle with sometimes being low and not wanting to get out of bed and wash my hair. Like everybody goes through it. I'm just a little bit more comfortable talking about it 
somebody has to. Yeah. You know, and now it's rising up, but like it still needs to keep being talked about because it's so normal. No one wants to be the first to dance at prom, but the first one to dance at prom, everybody starts dancing. I'll start doing the chicken dance right now. For real though. You have to be that person, the person that brings the light to the crowd because there's so many people that want to be that person and are so scared. But until you make them feel comfortable, make them feel normal and feel like who cares? Yeah. The minute you stop caring what other people think and caring what they say, everything changes for you. Right. Oh, man. I That is absolutely very Don't well compare. Said. Social media is a burden now. Yes, it's good marketing, but you see all these people now on social media trying to compare. It's a whole culture. All you know? of that. And it's like you have to find what makes you happy. And if that's getting off of social media for a little bit and finding who you are, do it. Yeah. It's so worth it. And, and really, it's not hard to starve out the things that are in your life more by saying, well, if social media is a part of my anxiety, then just take it away. Right. It's just like a Whole30 diet. It's like if I don't quite know why I'm feeling a little bloated or a little lethargic, then, then go ahead and just quit out everything and then mm-hmm. start fresh again. And that's when it's the most amazing part is that your story begins when you pick up your pen and you create the new narrative at any moment in time that you want. And so if you want the storyline to be something of strength, well then give it the, give it the purpose of strength and give a little bit more intention to behind because that may be a million different things. And I think it's up to the individual to decide Mm-hmm. Well, which one do I need to start with first? Just start. And if you need to talk it out loud, then say it. Because you'd be surprised of a lot of other people saying, I was once there. Or maybe I'm falling behind. I need to get to there. Right. And those are those comparables are great because you're able to be constructive with it. Yeah. We talked about just a second. We just said, how do you, someone had asked me, a client of mine, how do you take criticism? How do you take criticism? How do you take a compliment? <laughs> the, the point is, it's that. That's where it's coming from. Right. No, No, it's true though, because I will, guilty as guilty, you know, if it comes from my mom, my family, even my best friend, you know, there's so many times I go towards my best friend and I'm like, Haley, I know I was being really defensive. I just had to take a second to realize that it was me being defensive towards the criticism and you have to learn that and it's okay to admit that and it's even better to have someone be like it's okay like i get it we're well, yeah. human i'm gonna do it too so as long as you can accept it when i do it we're good so that was the answer was make it constructive make Is it that, constructive that's yeah. it so it's just it's use it to your criticism they're not saying it to hurt you exactly and if a compliment is constructive, then I can put it in my pocket. I don't have to let it fly over my head. If yeah. criticism is constructive, then I can apply it. And then that's really it. And yeah. so it's like you're able to achieve wins by accepting wins and put them in your pocket and then not taking criticism personally. I mean, really, though. It's I- hard. It is hard at times because, you know, nobody's perfect. So when you hear it from one person, you're like, well, wait a minute. But that's not why they're trying to do it. The people that love you aren't criticizing you. They're helping you grow. Yeah. Right? They're helping you. Now you have people who are just going to hate on you. You have to learn how to take who's your people. Yeah. Who are you going to trust to give you the good criticism and who are you going to be like, ah, let them say what they want to say. I would agree 100%. I would also say, though, find find comfort in who's in a mirror first. Yeah. Be okay with realizing that those words of affirmation that matter the most are my inner circle. 100%. That's why the saying rare people attract rare people. That's why you have a small circle matters so much. And those words of affirmation, really, they just matter coming from you. So mm-hmm. be selective 
and don't lean so hard on even your mom, your dad, or whoever it may be. Because when they're gone. Right, that. And also, maybe what they're saying, everybody's going through their own path. So, and that being said, it's like if I get great advice from, you know, a brother and whoever it may be, it's Still like. Still human. Well, they might, they're going through their own mm-hmm. movie. So they're giving me, like we had talked about, a projection about how they feel on the inside. How can I apply something that they, they don't apply in their own life? But they're giving me advice. Exactly. It's like, well, it's all has to be constructive. You're like, oh, well, they're my parents, so they got to be right. And then, no, you know yeah. what? Last year they're I learned they, they are not right. Honestly, they're probably far from right because I'm learning more on that aspect than they are. So I'm actually helping them. So sometimes you just got to take it with a grain of salt exactly. and keep it going. Uh, it's the truth. But we put a lot of emphasis on mentality. But I feel like even the physical part when we were talking about self-care what you put into your body is how you feel. You know, if you're putting junk food and not exercising any of that, that's how you're going to feel. You're going to feel yeah. lazy. You're going to have no motivation. So it is important to pay attention, you know, the natural foods. What do you put into your body? Are you taking your medications? Yeah. Are you showering, hygiene? Are you going out and having a social network? All of these things matter and they add up. Yep. So. 110%. And you take a different perspective, but different perspectives are what give that story book a, a book that we read maybe we highlight one sentence and a sentence is what changes everything and then we read it again and we're like highlighting pages and pages and pages and then it, you grasp it a little bit more once right. you hear it in a different perspective but yeah it's it's it's, it's interesting that you work now at, i mean you work now at john hopkins and so what i do i love because i get to see the progress how well yeah. have you gone over a couple of these months what's your progress i'm hands-on helping them get resources you know Connecting them to jobs and vocational services where all of these great, you know, rehab therapists on the vocational side are out here interviewing these people who maybe haven't worked in years and getting them jobs. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Food bank services, housing services, along with them coming on, teaching psychoeducational groups and being able to interact with them. I love what I do. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. Right? <laughs> and really, that's the that's the self-equity that I love about my job and being a life coach. And, and if I'm physically training someone, if I'm talking with someone and taking sports psychology up and up a notch and then having, it could be someone with scoliosis, it could be a professional fighter, it could be whoever on the spectrum. But the point is, is that I wanted to make a difference and that's what made me happy because I wanted to help. Yes. And then being able to just take that as the main, that was the main vehicle, that was the engine. Well, then, then you get to, you know, dissect a little bit more along the way and really feel like, okay, well, what fulfills me? Because I sure as hell know the feeling of burning out and being tired, but burning up was giving too much and then not receiving it. So when you can see answers upon your methodology and your theories of, you know, this is how I'm going to be able to help. And it starts to work and you start to see other people say, man, really, it was just having a different perspective, understanding that I was everything that we talked about today. Then it makes you really, you know. You're helping people towards a writer's block so then they can write their own story and take it from there. And it's so fulfilling. And yeah. I love doing it. And just a conversation alone. Can't tell you how many people I can even imagine that listen to this and be like, wow, like two completely, as someone that works as, you know, a John Hopkins to uh, a fitness life coach to uh, whoever, maybe a therapist, a psychiatrist, it's it's your approach. It's, mm-hmm. it's that... Uh, you have to be able to be aware of your own structure, your own method, and have tools around you that help that. But that's the goal. Find it yourself and understand that you're not alone. So mm-hmm. find it yourself, but don't but understand that you're not alone. So it, really on that note, um, 
it's been an absolute pleasure to just have a conversation and talk about you know life and perspective and and really as we're learning along we're able to help others while they're learning along and as we continue our story of strength i mean you're changing a lot of lives along the way and perspective is success yeah. and having that fair perspective is happiness it's peace it's everything but anxiety and depression and what you feel overwhelmed with now is temporary always you can always make a stop right now but thank you taylor so much for coming along the way and joining find your grit